It's the bye week in Chicago, but that doesn't mean things that affected the Bears didn't happen. We had a great day of Sunday football today. Plus, Nick and I have a special show for you as we review different guys across the roster, focusing specifically on the Bears defense, talking about who to keep, who's ascended, and everything in between. It's all coming at you on this week's episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Bear With Us. I'm your host, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of Da Bears Blog, here along with my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. Nick, was it nice not watching the Bears? Were you? How have the Bears made you feel lately? I was bummed out not getting to watch them. I can't not want to watch my team, but I settled for watching the Patriots, which was its own problem, right? Oh, wow, that was a the, bad game. The Cardinals, at least, were fun. So I turned on the Cardinals as often as I could and then had a great time watching Tampa Bay and Carolina. That was a contentious game. Well, this is how I handled my bye week. So I got, you know, my lineups, my fantasy lineup set, and then me and my fiance drove 45 minutes to go get cake samples for our wedding coming oh. up in the spring. And then 45 minutes back. So I missed like a half of games, but that's okay. Cause you gotta, you gotta do those things. You have to make it important as you know. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not, you know, in the doghouse. I'm in the, probably the positive house right now. And you, go. you know, it was during football time. So it's, you know, that that's valuable as she knows. So what a sacrifice, right? Yeah. See? Look at you. Look at you <laughs> sacrificing for your fiance. Yeah. And, and I got to eat a lot of cake and, uh, you know, frosting and all that kind of stuff. Now, how did you feel? Because I know you've seen the results. How did you feel once you saw the way things broke for the Bears? Good day, bad day. What do you think? Uh, well, good day. I mean, Carolina lost, Arizona won. That was a big plus. I mean, that I was a shocked. That New England Chargers game being six to nothing was just ugly. And it was like one of the first games that was over. And I was like, oh, yep. New England has a chance to win this. And then you remember it's New England and they can't do anything. So as a part of me was like, this could have been the ultimate New England wins, Arizona wins and the, the Panthers lose, but you, you can't, you can't get everything perfect all the time. No, you can't. And if it, okay. So before I say what I have on my mind, Nick, if you don't mind. I want you to repeat what you said to me pre-show about what you kind of wanted to maybe happen with the Panthers game. Cause I do think it sets the table and will resonate with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's just, there's too much drama going on right now. Everybody with Justin Fields and Caleb Williams and Drake may. And if you pick the wrong person, then like everyone just yells at you. Like I secretly wanted Carolina to win and maybe win a couple games. And then the bears could just have the third pick. And then, there's just less drama in Bears Nation. It's just it's just too much right now. Plus, we have five games to go. I, I see tons of people. They're like, I'm going to talk about the quarterbacks after the season because we're missing so much Bears football right now because we're so focused on quarterback. We really are. And I mean, it doesn't help anything that you take a look at what's going on with our rivals just a little further up north in Wisconsin right now. They're currently, they've got the Chiefs, I don't want to say on the ropes. Do you really ever have Mahomes on the ropes? No. But it's a 6-14 to 14 game where, would you believe it, Nick, their first round picks are playing well on their defensive line. They have coached up their secondary. Their, uh, in particular, I saw Darnell Savage drive on a play to Travis Kelsey that ended up creating a much tougher throw and made an completion out of a safety unit that started the year absolutely awful their wide receivers have stepped up in huge ways caught on way faster than i thought nearly any rookie receivers really would and all of this has taken place 
with Christian Watson not taking the second step that I think a lot of Packers fans wanted him to, man, oh man, Nick, does that make you green with jealousy like it does for me, watching a good coach run a team with talent on it the way that they do in Green Bay? It makes me so envious because that's team football. That I didn't mm-hmm. have to use the quarterback's name. We can talk about him another time. Yeah. We can get so reductionist in Chicago, making everything about the quarterback, and it's not always all about the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Your teammates make a big difference. I don't know, every single down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the thing I like the most, and this is me you know, as a, as a football coach, is I see the run game marries so well with the pass game that the quarterback has time to throw in play action when the linebackers come up the tight end leaks behind them and you have crossers and it just, it it, it is a right. perfect offensive system right now. I think Matt LaFleur is just in his bag tonight. And then, you know, Jordan Love doesn't have a lot of pressure. When he doesn't have a lot of pressure. He's, he's, I mean, what quarterback is bad when they can sit back there and they don't pressure. Like it's, I think most quarterbacks do well. So he's doing well with that right now. And he's, they've played well lately. I don't know that they they're great. I mean, they've played some, I think bad, bad defenses. I mean, okay. Detroit, Secretly, everybody, I think since week seven, they have the 32nd EPA defense. Like they have played really, really bad. I mean, think of Chicago. Chicago moved the ball up and down the field on them. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. But uh, I'm as we've talked about, Robert, early in the season, we wanted Green Bay to win some games. And I wanted, you know, Jordan Love to do okay. So they give him a big extension. They don't have a high draft pick. So I'm right. okay with it. And it's so funny you talk about the Bears' schedule or the Packers' schedule, if only because the Bears' schedule might be one of the sticking points that's really made me sadder than most other like conversations around Chicago right now, Nick. Because when you look at tankathon.com, they've got a little strength of schedule metric that's always updating, so it's not final right now. But the entire top eight in the draft order has a strength of schedule above 500, except one team. Except one team, and that's Chicago, whose strength of schedule is well below 500. It's down at 468, which is one of the lowest figures that you'll see on the board. Man, Nick, I am so bummed out that this Chicago team has ended up the way that it has because I am still convinced the schedule was set up perfectly for the Bears to, right now, be a 7-5 and five paper tiger, is what other people would call them, because mm-hmm. they were just beating up on easy teams. And they'd be 6-6 six and six with the exact same organization if they just closed two games that they had yep. a 98% chance to win. But I'm not going to talk about this every single podcast. Well- well, well, but also that that's the strength of the schedule through all 17 games. So, right. that I mean, we know the last part of the season here isn't going to be overly hard. So, hey, we talked about this last podcast. The Super Bowl <laughs> is still in our sights, Robert. Only one team has been eliminated from the playoffs, and that team is the Carolina Panthers, who in their loss today did two things. Number one, they eliminated themselves from the playoffs. And number two, coupling their loss to Tampa, who, man, it looked to me like, Everything was going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers leading up to the week. We had nearly everybody that could come off of injury in Carolina, in particular J.C. Horn and Jeremy Chin, two really strong defensive players. They came back to the lineup. Looked like Chris Godwin wasn't going to be able to play for quite some time, though he did end up playing, and thank goodness he did. Nick, Carolina locks up not making the playoffs. Bummer for them that the dream the dream is now dead. But moreover... I know you talked about hoping that the drama wouldn't end, Nick. I, I'm i not so sure that the Bears didn't just lock up a top two pick. 
And there's plenty of conversation. You and I don't need to talk about the quarterbacks tonight uh, or today. I know I can talk about the quarterbacks whenever you hear this, guys. I think you're going to hear it on Monday. So check my YouTube channel that night. We are going to be going over some quarterback film so that you can get a little bit of exposure to what these quarterbacks actually look like. So that if whether you're going to argue for May, for Fields, for Caleb Williams or anybody other or anybody else that you actually know what these quarterbacks play like before you go out there making your opinion. But Nick, I don't know what to tell you purely because I can't help but see this as an opportunity. Worst case scenario and not worst, but there's always still the option that field surges and the bears get a lot of value for the quarterback pick that they would not have been able to get for pick number three. A higher draft pick in this case will always impart opportunity in whatever direction they decide to use it. But like you're saying, this might as well just lock us in here on December 3rd to a long March to late April of this Mm -hmm. discussion maybe never ending. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were talking about the the top two. The New England Patriots, they're 2-10. and They play Thursday night, so not too many nights from now. Against Pittsburgh. And their quarterback, Kenny Pickett's going to be out a while. It's going to be Trubisky. So Trubisky today lost to Arizona, let them win. And if he lets New England win, we could think in consecutive years, Lovey Smith and Mitchell Trubisky for helping the Bears get the number one pick. But you know, it's so funny because did you see who else the Steelers lost? No. TJ Watt looked oh, hurt, hurt that. in that oh, game. Really? Now, I don't know what his status will or won't be for Thursday, but that's a quick turnaround, Nick. Like, Mm -hmm. I am not trying to sell anybody too hard on the dream of the number one pick in Chicago because it's selling itself. Like, all of a sudden, you have a New England team that had a week to iron out kinks. I mean, dude, Nick, they just went over. Like, if they have any ideas, it's time to deploy it because you have a lot of learning tape that you just, like, got plenty of against Los Angeles. And so the New England defense is playing good ball. You could be looking at a true like bare knuckle smackdown on Thursday night. And all New England needs to do is leak themselves into a win. And they all but lock up the number one pick for Chicago, which truly, Nick, I don't I don't know if this has ever happened in the Super Bowl era. It is certainly unprecedented that Chicago would take a player as valuable as DJ Moore still get there uh, like obviously trade down. So you still get a first round pick last year that turns into one of the best right tackles, best young right tackles in football right now. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. And somehow you get the number one pick the year afterwards. Like I don't know what to do with myself. I'm not normally, I hope this draft obsessed, but with the way that the bears have cratered, and if we're talking overarching points of the season and the way that the Carolina Panthers have cratered even harder, it has been like watching a train wreck that I can't take my eyes off of. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you think of all the teams we talked about, we could have, I mean, just prior to last draft, the bears could trade down with and Carolina wasn't one that was like big on my radar. Cause they were at nine and here, you know, you're like, oh, you have to be within the top four. Because remember, remember all the talk. You have to get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. You have to get one of these guys. They go down to nine, and that's the team that ends up being bad again. The, but also, you think a couple of years ago, Robert, uh, Jacksonville had back-to-back number one picks. Because they went yeah, they Trevor Lawrence, and then they went uh, Trevon Walker. And so, um, 
that's I think the last time I can remember two guys, two teams having number one picks in a row. I can't remember one before that. So yeah, it's going to be unprecedented. Will be super cool. And the dream of all Bears fans is if they trade down, you know, from one again, if they, you know, stayed with Fields, and somehow pulls does the magic and picks the team that's going to have number one Man. next year. You, just, what if this is just what you keep doing? You just keep getting the number one year after year. It would be sweet, but eventually you do have to build up the team. And I, honestly, Nick, I just want to win games. Like no, not in too. 2024. I want, if I got to choose, so I have a son that is currently 15 months old right now, and I would love for him to grow up with the Bears being good. I have grown up with the Bears being fine. I mean, the first season I saw was a Super Bowl season, and I did not realize how far down it would go from there, no. right? But that's I, fine. I, I, what I want, Robert, is I want Chicago to be 9-8 and eight this year and have the number one pick. That's my dream. This year? Yes, I mean, absolutely. By the way, just for any data heads out there, Nick, Seth Walder of ESPN did run the numbers for the odds right now to earn a number one or number two overall pick. Would you like to guess what the Bears via Panthers pick is currently odds at? It was uh, 87%. It was what? It was 87% before this weekend. I would say... 97%. 97%. Good guess. Not that high. They okay. they cut the odds in half. Now it's 93%. Meaning I mean, Bears fan. Carolina would have to win, what, three games? And Arizona have to just... They will have to out. go three out of their last five. And their mm-hmm. next five games, if I had to guess, it's not that I think the NFC South looks amazing, but we kind of talked about this a while ago, Nick. The, the next five games the Carolina Panthers play, all of them, because the Buccaneers at five and seven just crawled back into the division race. The division is not playing well. All five games will be for playoff seeding for all of these teams. Every one of them will matter. Every one of them will be a, we can't drop this or else game for everybody left on their schedule. Does that mean that, uh, or does that mean that Carolina can't win one of those games anyways? That's not the point at all. It's more to say that, they are going to get the other team's best. And mm-hmm. we'll see what that means. But if you're a Bears fan, I mean, this was a cockamamie baloney dream in week two that you and I laughed and joked about saying, Haha, what if the Bears landed the number one pick? It's dramatically more realistic right now oh, yeah. that the Bears it- land a top two pick. Well, and, and just for people, if you want to you know, write this down at home, you're not going to Google the schedule. So, so Carolina plays at New Orleans. Home against Atlanta, home against Green Bay, at Jacksonville, then home against Tampa, and then New England. I think they have two potentially winnable games. They have at Pittsburgh. We just talked about that one. Home against Kansas City. That's going to be tough. At Denver, at Buffalo, and then home against the Jets, who look bad. I mean, really, Robert. Awful. I'm 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 a big Brees Hall fan. The running back. He's averaging like two yards a carry for the last month. Like I don't even know what's happening with the Jets right now. They are. They are really something extra bad. But we've talked enough about the draft. Let's yep. talk a little bit more. I know you have a trivia question for me. I, I hope you don't mind, by the way. I, no. I think that there's going to be enough draft conversation that we do not need to fill up a pod here on the bye week with it. But yeah. we had to lead off the topic with it, right? right. So, so my trivia question is a Bears trivia question, right? And this is, you know, and I, I want to pause for, you know, PL and, you know, answer it after, you know, you answer. Cause I, I assume you're not gonna get this one, right? This is a tough one. Okay. <laughs> so people at home, hall of fame bear, 
a long time ago. Okay. Red Grange. Uh-huh. Okay. The galloping ghost, right? We all know Red right. Grange, right? Red is not his first name, Robert. What is his real first name? For some reason, I thought it was George. And I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to pause for people. They're going to, you know, think, you know, do the, do, cue, do, cue in the Jeopardy do, music. Do, you know? do, oh. do, do. It is Harold. There you go. There it is, everyone. So Harold Grange is the galloping ghost. Okay. Just fun little trivia one. Um, I love I it. I thought, because we talked about all Justin Fields last episode, and I, I, I just joked in our show sheet calling this the everything non-Justin Fields show. Right. Um, so I thought we could kind of talk through just kind of some of our positions and there's going to be some big questions. And then, you know, we also talked about like, what do people need to show or what did Justin Fields need to show to stay on this team yep. next year? Yep. So I have a receiver up next um, in, in tight end. You can group it together because Cole Komet, DJ Moore. Yeah, let's go Tyler position Scott. by position. Yeah. I think, and Tyler Scott, those are, those three are like locked in, I think in terms of on the roster for next year, the rest of them, I think are, are free agents or Bayless Jones, very up in the air. The yeah. biggest question, I know this is a guy that you love. We, we, me and you debated this this offseason. Oh, Darnell Mooney. Do the Bears resign him, Robert? Or are you okay letting him go? They totally don't. And I think replacing Darnell Mooney might be harder than they think it will be, but they are very, very big on size and athleticism. And a lot of what I think Mooney does is much more subtle. It doesn't help anything that whatever connection that Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields had has completely eroded. And now, if anything, what happened, man, I don't think anything positive. Look, I, Nick, I am not trying to come after Justin Fields when I say this. But in my opinion, last year, there were more moments of Darnell Mooney getting open and Justin not getting him the ball in, in like in a catchable manner. Think like the Minnesota game is the biggest one that I think is easiest to recall. You remember that corner route where Mooney shaved a tight corner and Justin or like Mooney ran a longer corner. Justin threw a tighter corner and he took yep, a touchdown off the board. Then yep. later in the game, Mooney beat a bracket. Like he beat double coverage and Justin threw the ball just a hair late and Harrison Smith knocked it away. Like mm -hmm. those yards and touchdowns are what get guys paid. And with Mooney still playing on his rookie deal, I'm just going to, so tinfoil hat moment, I guess, Nick, but I cannot imagine that as this season has gone on. Cause last year, last year was last year, bad team, mm -hmm. bad, or like offense. That was this and that, right? A lot of things didn't work, but then this year, well, DJ's gotten a thousand yards and Mooney got a game against Washington where he was also open left and right. And somehow none of the balls were outrageously catchable. Uh, and the one that was, was just underthrown enough. It let a DB back into the play. And yes, Darnell Mooney should have caught it. If he wants to like throw his fists into his pillow at night and say, that's all Justin fault. That that's ridiculous. I'm not going to Homer too hard for Darnell, but it's more to say, Nick, Suddenly, Darnell goes from a receiver that in his second year had a thousand yards to a 500 yard a year guy. And there are a lot of 500 yard a year guys. Yep. Yep. And, and you want to think of like skill set somewhat, Scott, or in size somewhat. I mean, Tyler Scott can play the Darnell Mooney role of, hey, let's take the top off of defense. Let's be this. Because all the time right now, what do we see in these wide receiver screens? We see Tyler Scott or Darnell Mooney blocking. And it would be more ideal if it was like, I right. don't know. Marvin Harrison Jr. blocking or some Keon Coleman blocking, like a bigger guy blocking. So in my mind, 
The only way Darnell Mooney comes back is if he's okay being in the number three role, Tyler Scott's in the number four role, and he gets somewhere between like seven to 10 million a year for probably two, two to three years. Man, I thought I was being cheap on Darnell. I think he's going to hit the open market and probably get about 11 and a half like mm-hmm. per year. And I think somebody will pay it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the devil you don't know is way better than the devil you do in the world of football, because you always think that they didn't use this guy because their coaches suck. Our coaches are good. And so mm-hmm. when right, we right. bring him in, he's going to pop off. Right. Everybody does this. And so mm-hmm. it's I'm intrigued. I mean, look, Ryan Poles probably looks at Darnell Mooney, sees a fifth round wide receiver that's mad because he strikes me as a guy that's probably pretty frustrated right now. Like, especially after coming out all off season saying things like I'm going to be disrespecting everybody and everything in between. Like I am not broken hearted because I get how football works, but I'm having to take two of the bears that I like the most and just wave goodbye to them. The other one will come up later in the show because uh-huh. this is a business and mm-hmm. in this business, especially because, okay, here's a quick question, Nick, I'll throw this back on you. If, the season ended today. Is Matt Eberflus fired? Yes. I think you're probably right. And I think that a new coach is going to come in and spend a mid-table to lower-table free agency deal to bring in a wide receiver because, obviously, free agency is first. So you don't know that a receiver you like is going to fall to you at whatever pick you're going to have unless you were going to use that super high pick on Marvin Harrison, which I doubt it hasn't been done in forever. But, I mean, I mean, Chase Claypool is going to be free agent, Robert. I just Chase Claypool's going to be free agent. <laughs> Can like, you imagine Bears fans if the new coach brings him in? I, so, I think Bears fans, just like everybody, just like we did with Flus, there will be a lot of, I don't know if I'd have done that, but if you want to do that, I trust you. I, so I, I would, you know, I would have kept Claypool because I think there were some good things he did. I think there are some things he did not do well, but just giving him away for nothing was kind of a waste. But Bayless Jones is another one. Like, Bayless Jones, I think, could low odds make the roster next year if Matt Eberflus is still here. If Matt Eberflus is gone, there's no way Bayless Jones makes the roster. I actually wonder if that's okay. So hot, hot take here. I wonder if a new coach would come in, especially an offensive minded one, and think they could get more out of Bayless and think that somehow it was a usage problem. Now, I don't think it is. As somebody who's spent a lot of words on Twitter and a lot of time on podcasts actually like trying to stand up for Valus Jones a little bit, man, Nick, I've not seen somebody have more cataclysmic results. Like we're not just talking drops. It would be better if it was just drops. I've never seen a wide receiver punt returner responsible for this high a percentage of turnovers on plays where he holds the ball. Like, it is it is legitimately jaw dropping to me, and the kind of thing that just can't continue. You know what I'm remember saying? Remember the remember the Chargers bomb to him yes. in the end zone, and he falls down, still has a chance to catch it, and he just doesn't. Like it's I mean, like it's baffling. Like I mean, Dallas last year when when uh, Fields hit that really nice deep shot to him, and it went right through his hands. Like we see these all the time. So I don't see him back. I mean, Mercedes Lewis is probably going to retire. Robert Tunyon, I don't think, has, has earned a chance I don't think back anybody's in standing for Tunyon. <laughs> um, Trent Taylor, potentially, right? You Maybe. need a power returner. Uh, my thought is, is that I think the Bears have the money and the draft picks to just overhaul a lot of things. 
right? And especially if they're going to be remaking the offense under or with the new image, uh, like with remaking the offense within the image of this new coach, then it wouldn't surprise me if we see quite a bit of turnover at exactly those spots to get their guys. Let me use an example. A certain somebody might have a lot of interest in Josh Reynolds, right? Like your your classic know my system hiring, right? Yep, yep, yep. But a certain somebody else might find somebody that comes off of the Texans roster or at least has been in the Texans system. I don't know, man. We'll yeah, yeah. see, no, right? No, that, that's a good point. I mean, like you want to talk about like backup tight end. I don't know if he's a free agent, but off the top of my head, like Brock Wright could right. be the backup tight end coming over to Chicago because he knows the system. Would be really easy. And so, yep. a lot of these coaches seem like they really appreciate having that coach on the field character like Equinamia St. Brown has been for Luke Getze. And so it just wouldn't surprise me if that's what, or if that's what the Bears end up doing. But to your greater point, I think it's DJ. I think it's Cole Komet. And then I think everybody else in the offense is considered totally unproven. And yep. that Tyler Scott has to come in his second year. And I don't think he's going to be handed anything, regardless of who the coach is. And so that's at least how I would assume that this is going to get handled, especially because, you know me, I'm assuming that whether it's picked at pick number 10 or pick number one, that a sick receiver is getting added to this roster, meaning that I'm expecting a bloodbath competition for the Bears wide receiver four or wide receiver three, three slot that will take up the fourth threat in their passing game. So mm-hmm. bring it on. I mean, to me, that's what good teams do. Like, well, it, and Honestly, that that third weapon, which would be Mooney, that fourth weapon, which we haven't had, have really been like, negatives for this team this year in terms of getting open or having chemistry with the quarterback or catching the ball like you have literally call Komet and dj Moore and running game and like that's it and that's that's something to improve on and plus this is a deep wide receiver class whether you acquire more day two picks you go for another rookie there and that's the guy you're going to develop behind whatever wide receiver two you bring in or it's a veteran i think that's i think it's a good point so at running back mm-hmm Deontay Foreman's a free agent. Uh, everyone else is not. So Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert, Travis Homer, and Kari Blassengame are all under contract. Do you think that they add a running back this offseason? It wouldn't surprise me if they do. I mean, oh, you... actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to go back. What does Darnell Mooney have to prove for Chicago to say they have to extend him in the offseason. Have to extend him? Yep. In these next five games, what does oh, he have to Is there anything he can do? I think he has to catch 120 yards minimum in three games, at least. Okay. Like, I think he has to do something that makes you go, oh my gosh. Like, okay, we got to keep you, right? But I also can't help but think, Nick, so here's here's the other problem that I have, just thinking out this roster in particular, is that anything that isn't nailed down, if the Bears like move on at head coach, you're going to see so much turnover, like natural turnover, yeah, yeah. That, no, that makes sense. Darnell would be making more money for himself than he would forcing the Bears to keep him. There is one player, if you want me to talk about him, I I could jump straight to it, that I think had a game last week that is as close as you're going to get to, okay, that's just about going to make us pay you. And that's a good thing, because I want to keep Jalen Johnson. I think that that's exactly the kind of player that the Bears need in-house so that they don't have to hit the free agency market and try to find a corner one. Because I've told you at many points that I like Tyreek Stevenson, but... Even Tyreek's dad 
would be is probably not ready to put Tyreek in a corner one setting Ooh, at no any point next no season. Way. And free yeah. agent corner ones have a such a hilariously bad track record of success at other mm-hmm. organizations. That that's just not a route that I would want to go down. But well, it, and, I mean, I, I know you're jumping ahead, and we'll get to it on another part. But at, with Jalen Johnson, purely making the comparison, right? Because yeah. they got compared a lot in the right, right, right. season. But but him not having both of those pick sixes makes him cheaper to resign in Chicago. Yes. That's part of it because because if he has those, he has three pick sixes, which Deron Bland in Dallas has more because he's been crazy. It's it's somehow like Deron Bland has become um Trevon Diggs somehow, like in the same team doing the same stuff. It's like wild. So I'm I mean I'm grateful they didn't do those. I know you want him to do that because you want the Bears, but I'm thinking of money. Um but no that makes sense. Okay. So um I would say that makes sense to me. Something that makes you have to have him back. You also could say five consistent games with like, I would say like 80 to 90 yards or something like, so like Oh wow. The five consistent games as a wide receiver one. Cause to me, a wide receiver one catches, uh, think about it. DJ Moore in his like bad games has been a 55 yard guy. That's a very oh, normal number for a good wide receiver and the bears passing game is not exactly loaded with volume. So you say consistent games is 80 to 90. And I'm like, how many does DJ have? Like, does DJ get mad at you? 200 (laughs) a game. Come on, man. I hope so. Like, cause that's, Um, that's the other piece of this man is when we talk about yardage, I think. So I am of the belief that inside the negotiation room, these GMs, these agents will use anything that they can to their advantage or their disadvantage, regardless of how fair it is. Jalen Johnson's agent is going to say, do you really care that he caught the ball? Come on. Like, I get it, but corners don't jump routes like my guy does. And then Ryan Poles is going to be like, I'm sorry, I don't see a pick six on the stat sheet. I see pass deflection. So I'm going to pay for a pass deflection. Well, the play after the pick six was a touchdown. Right. And, so. and oh, I and I get it. Side with Ryan Poles on that. I'm more saying that like if if you look at Darnell Mooney right now, I think his tape has been much better than what he has produced from a yardage yeah. perspective. Yep. But the Bears of all the organizations in football are gonna be the first to say, Are you really asking me for that when you're a three hundred fifty yard receiver? Right. Like so, so so here's the other angle of this. Because he does have a, a good friendship. If Justin Fields is back, the odds of Darnell Mooney staying are higher. Even if he hasn't had a great year this year, the odds of him doing a one-year prove-it deal or whatever are higher if Fields is back. If it's a rookie, he's a, he's easily gone. He's gone. And we'll see what happens there. Now, I, I'm expecting just a lot of turnover, but let's get back to the running back conversation. Sure. I'm interested to see what happens with Deontay Foreman. If a new coach comes in, would it surprise you if the Bears drafted another running back? Uh, well, so you got to think of Khalil Herbert will be on the last year of yep. his deal. And with how I handle running backs, I feel like it's similar to how you handle running backs, Robert. I would just churn running backs and have day three running backs. You just pick one unless there's a great value on day two. So considering the the three that we would have and Homer's basically a special teams guy, I would draft a day three running back unless a day two one is such a good value. And when looking at this running back class, nobody's very good. So day three or a UDFA is all I would do. Who's the kid? Is it Keaton Mitchell? 
that's been playing really good ball for the Ravens this year. Yep. UDFA. Yep. I did not like him either, uh, which isn't to say that I hated him. It's more like when it came to draftable running backs, I was like, he's way too small. But mm-hmm. it's funny because the Ravens have been able to use the fact that he fast uh, to great effect right. within their offense, even right. if that's kind of, I don't want to say it's all he can do. That's not fair to an NFL football player, but that's clearly his hallmark. And so mm-hmm. when I look at the Bears running backs headed into next year, Honestly, Nick, this is as simple as what Khalil Herbert are we getting? Like, does mm-hmm. Khalil Herbert legitimately heal up and look better in offseason stuff? Or does the new coach want to get himself another speedy back? And I understand that that's what Travis Homer's supposed to be. They clearly do not want him to do that in games. Like, in situations where Travis Homer or where the Bears may have Khalil Herbert on a snap count, they're just going to run the snot out of Roshan Johnson and they'll mm. live with it. So do they want It's a somebody- little surprising because Homer's been okay in right. the past in the NFL at Miami in college. So even pass catching. So it's been surprising to me. That's what they have his role to be, just I'm, special teams. I'm kind of there too. But yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears will want to. Again, this assumes a new head coach. So this assumes a new head coach comes in and says, well, you know, it's good that we've got the backs that we've got. There, there's plenty of talent there. But, like, I see our offense doing this. We don't have that back right now. That's going to be this guy. Or yeah. pursuing a another one-year free agent. Not to sit, like, um, I don't know what his contract situation is. Like, I mean this player literally. But Raheem Morris uh, could be an interesting, like, speed threat name. Uh, Mostert. Mostert, thank you. Um, <laughs> so we're going to bring coach. a coach in. And not he's the coach. Back. Raheem Mostert, uh, as far as a speed threat goes, coming straight out of the Miami system, you may see the Bears wanting to do so, – I don't want to say they're going to try to copy Miami, but honestly, Nick, like being real with you, I think the entire league is going to copy Miami yeah, like this offseason. How can you? There's only so many Tyreek Hills, Jalen Waddles, Raheem Mosterts, and Devon Achans out there. What a funny comparison, because actually in the draft, there's a couple of sweet, I don't want to say Tyreek Hill, who's Tyreek Hill, but to me, Malik Neighbors is a really interesting wide receiver name, purely because I don't know if what you're seeing, to me, he looks like a hybrid of DJ Moore and Jalen Waddle, and Obviously, you'd still need your Tyreek Hill there, but you could end up creating a really dynamic field-stretching offense out of guys like that. And that's obviously if you don't draft, you know, the best receiver since Calvin Johnson, as far as yep. prospects go. But that's a whole conversation well, for another. Time. What if you do both? I'm okay with that. You bring in Harrison and you bring in Neighbors. Man, okay, so I I do wonder. We're gonna save that for another time. We could get super sidetracked. We'll focus on the current Bears roster. Uh, <laughs> I, I I will quickly say I wonder about value decay there. Like what quarterback in like nearly no matter what quarterback you have, how are you going to get enough value to justify those selections out of all three players? I think a lot of people have, or I think a lot of offenses have shown us that having two alphas is super manageable. The moment you add the third alpha in there, either Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr., or Rashad Bateman is going to take a straight up backseat. Because you can yep. only feed the ball so many different places. And so if you told me those or if you told me neighbors and bowers, we've got a different conversation because you could debate that he plays a different position and that yeah. coaches are going to use him within a different role. But straight up two receivers plus DJ Moore, I would literally say to myself, like, I how's the coach gonna handle all of them? 
Like I'm sure they'll do use them well, but I bet they'll go in a different direction. Just I, because I, I I agree with you. I just think as a coach, it would be fun. I I, I yeah, I, I want fun pieces, and I don't care about fantasy football or numbers. I want to win football games. And I, having Amen, Nick. I'm so sick and tired of losing football games. Like the whole concept. Anytime anybody does, just not to bleed too much onto the conversation. But when eventually it does come time to talk about like quarterbacks and all the drama relating to that, I hope everybody sticks to wanting to win football games. The goal yeah. is to win football games. Do mm-hmm. you think that picking that guy will help you win football games? Do you think that sticking with fields with fields will inevitably lead to losing football games? These are the questions that have to be asked because the Bears will have a lot of opportunity. You want to move on to our next position group? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. So Offensive line, that could be almost a third guy that you're talking about is working his way into making Chicago extend him is Tevin Jenkins. So so guys that are under contract, you have Braxton Jones, Darnell Wright, Larry Borum. People forget about him. I mean, he was, I mean, for the fifth round pick, he's been a pretty solid value, I think. Uh, he's under contract last year. Uh, then you'll have Tevin Jenkins. Nate Davis and Jatyree Carter all under contract. I assume Cody Whitehair is going to get cut here. I don't think we have to like make any big, so. big stretches to assume that is now that he's benched. So those are the only guys under roster. So that'd be six. Jenkins will be in his last year um, in Chicago and, or, or yeah, on his last year of his deal after in 2024. So he's open for an extension. I think that that's a talk to have with this off season. Um, but really, it's get a center, and I think you still could talk about getting some depth here. What do I, you think? You could definitely talk about getting some depth here. But can I start with something? Are we kind of cooking? Like, yeah. if you look you look at these guys, this is a lot better than it's been in Chicago as far as an outlook at the position for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. am I crazy? Am I being nope. a homer? You tell me. Nope. I'm I'm excited. My favorite guy in this room right now is actually Jatiree Carter, which I think a lot of people would find kind of ridiculous. I'm not saying as a starter. I love that the Bears have reserve linemen that that actually can play a little bit. Are they starting caliber guys? Who is? But they or somebody like Carter can help us put ourselves into position to sustain a couple of injuries. I'm right there with you. I think Tevin Jenkins has played as well as you could ask, if he finishes the season and doesn't miss more than one and a half games, I think you need to extend him because he is very quickly starting to become the kind of player that would be outrageously expensive. If you could get him on the current year's value of a guard's version of Tarana Armistead's deal, that's a lot of ifs and buts, but does that make sense? Like the well, well, He's the left tackle, though. The, the guard version of... The Tarad Armistead deal. He got paid, didn't he? He was like top paid tackle. Well, no, he had some injury issues. I see what you're going with that one. I'm okay. I'm aiming there because it would be the idea of we're not paying you for 17 games. We think you're gonna play or play 12. Yeah. But for yeah. those 12 games, we will pay you like a star. And I'm cool with that because I kind of think that's what we're seeing on the field. Yeah. So when we're talking about the offensive line, one of the biggest things is you're like, okay. We have, you know, whatever you're going to do at the top, whether it's a quarterback or Harrison Jr., then you have this other first, which is, you know, who knows, four, five, eight, nine, wherever it ends up, you got to go tackle. That was the talk for a long time. I have graduated from that talk. I almost, I mean, I know higher minded. 
<laughs> I think Braxton Jones would have to literally like fall apart or get a severe injury again. For me to say we need to not take an offensive tackle in round one because we can use that pick on better needs. Because if you have, because again, you think about this, Braxton Jones is going to continue to develop. I mean, that's the thing is like small school. He did well last year. He's doing well when healthy this year. Then you have Darnell Wright having both tackles. I mean, I can't remember the last time, Robert, I've been happy with our tackles. And then Nate Davis bouncing back how he has happy there. Obviously I've been happy with Tevin Jenkins the last two years, whenever he's played. I mean, as you said, in terms of cooking, I don't want to mess that up. I want to, I mean, obviously you want depth because of the health, but you get the center in there, which I would favor getting a veteran over drafting a guy, but I'm good with it set. I am. I'm Joe Alt and the, I can't say his last name, the guy from Penn state. I oh, graduated. Yeah. Fashano. I'm I've graduated from wanting a left tackle. I'm okay with Braxton Jones. Where are you at with that conversation? So I actually am going to say something that I think the draft community might jump down, jump on me for. I thought Joe Alt has looked phenomenal all year long. And granted, I'm only talking from like live viewings, but I did actually pay attention to some all 22 of uh, Olu Fashanu. I'm going to go back and forth on his last name because then I can never be wrong if I just say it both ways. But he's not that great a run blocker. Outstanding pass protector, but yep. not an extra special run blocker. And to me, the moment that Joe Alt moved in front of this, quote, generational left tackle prospect that everybody was comparing to the Marvin Harrison of left tackles yep. was the moment that I think it became plain that none of these left tackle prospects are sure things we really don't know. It's very similar to quarterback. And Braxton is becoming, to me, way too way too good of a bird in the hand to take the two in the bush. You've got one of the most valuable contracts in football in Braxton Jones right now. Yep. And to waste that effectively by passing on another player to instead give yourself a shot at maybe getting a little bit of an upgrade seems foolish to me, especially mm -hmm. when for crying out loud, Nick, like we're talking about a left tackle that's been a part of the offensive lines that gave Tyson Bajant the lowest sack percentage in football for the four or for the four games that he started and against the Vikings allowed fields to clock in at a 3.37% or 3.37 time to throw. And I mean, Nick, this isn't an exaggeration. I didn't know an offensive line could hold an eight second pocket until they did it for Justin Fields on that play where he sat in the pocket and Darnell Mooney came over the middle and he would have had to layer the ball. He decided not to ends up rolling or rolling out around the eight and a half second mark and throwing the ball away. Like what are we, what value do we feel like we're missing with Braxton Jones that yeah. we feel like we need from a generational tackle or do people right. just feel like they want a name brand at left tackle? And I'll warn you, sometimes you get that and it's just not as actually good for your football team as you think it is. Yeah, I mean, you think Evan Neal with with New York and the things that they're dealing with, and and that's that's the other point too is like if you go if you go with a, a left tackle to upgrade Braxton Jones, which I get that it's possible to upgrade there, but you have to think about where else could you use that pick, and is that upgrade more valuable? And I think it's unequivocally yes, unequivocally. Now you mentioned something. I'm also on the veteran center train, but do you want to talk through the risks of drafting a rookie center? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the 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 center everyone loved last year in the rookie class, right? That the Bears passed on to get Tyreek Stevenson. Okay, 
John Michael Schmitz, right? Mm -hmm. We have to get John Michael Schmitz. He's going to answer everything, right? Right. And I, I haven't checked lately, but when I checked early in the year, Robert, he was one of the worst centers in the NFL. Is that even surprising to you? Not really. I think center's a tough position to just bounce and do bounce in the NFL and do well at. But let me We've, check right now as, as we're doing this. And that's my point. Like, let me stall for you as you do this, right? Like, I tend to think that there are so many people that they want a young center. I want a young center, Nick. If I got to choose, I would love to see the Bears sign a, a sign an offensive center like Connor Williams, but then also sign or draft a player. I'm not saying it'd be literally Doug Kramer, but Doug Kramer like, right? Keep taking shots at later round guys that can play guard and also potentially play center for you so that you've got different answers that you're ready to deploy because the scary thing to me, Nick, is that I think everybody forgets center in particular. You do not plug and play. Very few guys do. I mean, even Tyler Linderbaum, who was hailed as one of the best center prospects ever, struggled for the first eight-ish games of his career before recovering really gracefully. And mm. if the Bears start slow in 2024, people are going to freak out no matter what they do in the last nine games. Bears fans are tired of waiting. And if you're tired of waiting, don't advocate for Cedric Van Pran. That's a great option. Would love right. to see him on the team. But, I mean, he's also o not Oregon has a, has a good center, too. So, here, let us let me ask you this, okay? So, I, I have it pulled up. Again, again, everyone, PFF grading, which I know some people love, some people hate. It's a great second and opinion. I, yeah, right. Where, where do you think... John Michael Schmitz ranks among 39 centers that they have graded. Bottom five. Okay, the fifth from the bottom is Lucas Patrick. Oh, good. The sixth from the bottom is John Michael Schmitz. He's okay. one so spot ahead of Lucas Patrick. They would argue that actually there's been no real difference between the two. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you think 32 centers? None of them would be starters. And you talked about Connor Williams, who that would be my favorite guy for the Bears to sign. He is currently ranked the number one center oh, well, by PFF by a margin, by by 2.9 overall grade, which is significant. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, let, let, if let's anything, go I hope so I let him out of Miami, right? But yeah, so, exactly. I, I'm with you there. To me, I think, honest to God, I think nearly anything would be better than what the Bears have right now. I mean, the, the Bears are getting such poor play out of their centers that you could name nearly any free agent. And I'd be like, sure, glad it's not <laughs> glad it's not Patrick anymore. And yep. while drafting a rookie sounds nice, if anything, hey, you know, there have been a lot of people that have given Ryan Poles a lot of grief for the way that the roster especially was looking safe three, four weeks ago. I mean, your DBs need a year to get better especially the ones that you know are going to go out there with a team with very little pass rush and just live and die by what happens over the course of four to five second covered snaps. And if John Michael Schmitz is not the instant like offense unlocking weapon that a lot of Bears fans wanted him to be, doesn't having an extra DB like Tyreek Stevenson that gives you that roster flexibility but keeps your DB room cheap make a lot more sense. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Can't well, you see the vision? Also, you think of positional value. I mean, corner is obviously a huge positional value over a center. The Another one to think about, too, Bears fans, is Andre James is a free agent. He's from uh, the Raiders. He's the 12th-ranked center right now for PFF. So okay. th there are multiple veteran centers. Like Last year, I liked Ethan Posick, uh, Cleveland. He mm -hmm. re-signed there. That was the one I liked. But there's, there's multiple this year. So, um, all right. 
that's a lot of offensive line talk. But for the first time People in a long time, we're offensive line. Yeah, we're excited about the offensive line. So it's like we don't really need to address a whole lot there. Maybe just some depth, you know, develop some guys, you know, injuries, positional, you know, they can go guard, tackle, swing, whatever. All right, D line. Well, as we transition to defensive line, jumping in because yeah. we forgot to do this earlier, we are transitioning to a Q&A segment yes. within the preview pod. If you listened to this point in the podcast, we love you. We appreciate you. We want your questions as we kind of assess what the Bears are going up against every single recording on Wednesday nights uh, posted on Thursday. So whether you want to tweet at Nick Whalen, tweet at Robert K. Schmitz, tweet at us both, DM me, my DMs are open, tweet us questions so that we can, we'll fold you into the podcast and we'll take your question. We'll answer it as best as possible. Thumbs up from everybody. But so Nick, Let's get back to defensive line. Yeah, no, that, that's a good thing. That, I think that's exciting because, again, we want to answer what you guys are curious on. This isn't just our pod. This is a Bears pod, what the, you know, the fans want to hear. So, um, yeah, get some get some good questions for us. We'll, we'll include them. Um, defensive line has changed, obviously. You know, you talk about bringing in a Montez Sweat and how that has multiple layered or changed the defensive line uh, with – Andrew Billings doing better and the two kids inside doing better. So here are the, the D line under contract D ends next year, Montez sweat, Demarcus Walker and Dominique Robinson. So thankfully um, we can say bye-bye to Yannick Nagakwe, who has <clears throat> been a complete waste. Andrew Billings. We just resigned him. Me and you, we were pumped. We got him signed for so cheap. Justin Jones is a free agent. I'm not going to shed a tear on that one. Uh, Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, obviously they're in a contract for three more years and that's, that's it. So, um, I mean, first off, let's do this. Is there anything Yannick Nagakwe or Justin Jones can do to say that you need to sign them and bring them back next year? Not really. If only because Justin Jones has been a quite literal placeholder and Gervin Dexter should be able to take over his spot and honest to goodness, be equally inconsistent. Justin Jones actually gets too much hate on Bears Twitter because as much as we say he's awful, he will have four to five reps a game where he beats his man very quickly and oftentimes makes a play. I mean, in the world of Nick trying to be as fair as possible, does that make him a star three tech? Not really. But does it mean that you could that you couldn't possibly get any worse? You can get worse. You couldn't possibly I, I think, have got. What? So tell me, this, I think he would be better if he was your third D tackle. So he would be fresh coming right. off, and he would have you know less snaps a game. But he's forced into this starting role, and I think he wears down. And doesn't have the strength to hold up. Does it surprise you that it's those earlier games where he had an outrageous snap load that you'd swear was close to 85% where we complained about him the most? And then as Dexter and Pickens have gotten mixed in slowly but surely more often, we've actually calmed down about Justin Jones? Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, no. no and with, I, Yannick, I with, with Yannick, he's going to be on, what, his seventh team in six years uh, going into next free agency, uh, unless he goes back to another team he's already been on, which is always possible. I don't think the Bears even want him to make them extend him. Like if he if he picks up nine sacks in five games, then sure we'll we'll talk. But even then, <laughs> Yannick strikes me as the kind of guy that's always going to be four million higher than you are, no matter what happens. And those are the kinds of guys where a deal's just not going to happen. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's just. I mean, just even the run game, like he's just not done anything. Um, yeah, he's again him. 
Lucas Patrick, Justin Jones. I'm just grateful that they're free agents. You don't have to cut them right. or lose any money. Speaking of just the rest of the unit, how are you feeling now compared to the way you felt early in the season? I'm excited about the D-line because, you know, when, when the year started, we were like, oh, this D-line is going to be really, really bad. For, for what I envision for next year, you bring in another DN to be the starter. And Demarcus Walker could be this, again, elephant end, run stuffing D-end and, you know, rotate in some for pass rush inside. That's a good role for him. And then, obviously, Mata Sweat has been everything that we've wanted um, as that really good D-end. Not great. Really good, good run stuffer D end, long length. And then the the two kids inside, I think, have shown more promise. You know, we talked about playing them in the right positions and rotating them through. Like I would much rather have Billings and Dexter starting right now, and they have Jones. But when I think about next year, that gets me a little excited and, and so much more that I'm not like you have to get a defensive tackle in round one or a big one in free agency or get one in day two. I think that you can get a D tackle on day three and develop him kind of like we did this past year, maybe sign another veteran, but it can be that second, third tier veteran that a guy that you would rotate in. Cause you have to have so many D linemen. If people don't know you, you rotate do. D linemen so much, you do. but then, but that just makes D end the pass rushing D end that if you want to say elite D end, that's still the thing that you're going to, you're going to chase. Whether one of those great ones becomes a free agent like Josh Allen or not, or you draft one, but I think that's still something we need to chase. Part of me wonders whether you're going to try to manufacture the production of an elite DN through the use of two good DNs. I mean, getting an elite DN is just hard, right? Yep. We saw what Houston paid to trade up to go get Will Anderson, and Will Anderson has un or has in, been inspiringly good. I mean, yeah. honestly, like Will Anderson has been the ideal result of what they got from that pick, and even then, Nick with I mean, you could say this, right? They hit a home run with CJ Stroud. They hit a home run with Will Anderson. And even then, we'll see if they are really super stoked about their decision to trade up for Will Anderson when we revisit this in three or three years or so. Right now, it looks awesome and it could stay awesome. Robert's not trying to be too inflammatory when he talks about this. It's more that when you start or when you trade away a lot of those first round picks, then later down the road, people look back and they go, when did we when did we not get it or like when did we lose the ability to be as competitive as we were? And it's because you didn't have that extra pick to load up with. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think the uh the Bears are one D end away and also probably one strong defensive tackle. If I got to choose, the Bears would throw unironically probably like fifty million dollars at their defense or at their defensive line in free agency because I think if you can make Dexter win the job, then you, the Bears, come out ahead at a position where you're going to use both guys anyways. Think like mm -hmm. signing, I don't know, Christian Wilkins or Chris Jones if he makes it to free agency or some relatively old but very good defensive tackle that could give your de defensive line a very quick boost. And moreover, Nick, if they're going to fade, fade in December. I know a lot of Bears fans want to gear up for the playoffs. I kind of want to dominate September. Like, I want the 2024 Bears to make a statement that they are there. And if they fade, they fade. Right. right. But well, be in the hunt, be in that picture. You're like, hey, we're, we're right there. Or we're the last playoff spot. Like, just be in that for a while. Would starting, be 
starting strong would be so unbears and such right. a welcome change. And I think another thing that'll help you do that is signing one of these edge rushers, whether you're talking about a edge rusher like Bryce Huff or more of your defensive end edge defender like Daniel Hunter. I think the Bears are going to have options in free agency that they probably won't have at the draft. I can't help but think, Nick, that the draft, as things are moving right now, is not setting the Bears up to make a big time defensive move, like a move that the bears need to be able to count on in 2024. Maybe you find that guy in the third round. Maybe you trade down in the first round, pick up a second round pick and somebody falls to you that you could get really excited about, but nothing that the 2024 new head coach or Matt Eberflus should be planning around would be expected out of the early, like the first round. Do you feel that way? No, no. So, like, if the starters next year, Robert, were Montez Sweat, Demarcus Walker, Andrew Billings, and Javon Dexter, would you be mad? I would I would cock my head and be like, what happened? Right? Because to me, Demarcus Walker looks like he would be an awesome edge three. Like, he mm-hmm. is a crazy pocket pusher, high, high-energy athlete. And if you put him in against a an offensive tackle that had been getting worked by Neil Hunter for the entirety of a game, he strikes me as the kind of guy that could have his Travis Gibson moment, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like come but, in for relief and whoop somebody. Gravon yeah, Dexter. In terms yeah. of like Matt, like let's let's say, let's just say for context more. So like those are your starters, and then right. you signed a second tier guy, DN to back them up, and you signed a second tier D tackle to back. Do Dexter. you think Dexter? is going to take such a strong step forward. I like Dexter. I say this as a Dexter fan. Do you think Dexter is going to take such a strong step forward that with the free agent options that Chicago has, because the defensive line class, unusually deep in free agency, mm-hmm. that Dexter is going to be better than most of your starting options? Uh, probably not. But of the... I mean, I know you're a Stevenson fan. Between Stevenson and Dexter, I'm way more excited about Dexter. I'm I don't blame you for that. I think that DB play is really hard to evaluate, and I go about it a very specific way. Let's just put it that way, right? Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> to me, I basically just watch how athletic is the guy and wait for him to get closer and closer and closer right. to the ball. And with Kyler Gordon, that's exactly what happened. With Jalen Johnson, that's exactly what happened. To me, Tyreek Stevenson shows all the signs of somebody who's going to become much more consistent. But like you're talking about, if we were going to measure rookie production, it's awful. Because to right. me, DBs are that classic. They get a lot worse before they get better. And then yeah, they yeah. get better oh, very sure. quickly. But well, it's, it's it's such a hard position because the college DB and NFL DB are so different. But if it was under my control, Robert, mm-hmm. I would sign a DN for sure and sign a D tackle for sure. Because if I was going to be strong on defense anywhere, it's going to be the D line. And if I were to have good quality depth anywhere, it would be D line. Because I think... This sounds bad. I think you always could just plug and play some DBs if you had a good D-line versus the other way around. You can't do it the other way around. You can't. I think that if you if you do have really sweet DBs and a good defensive line, you build a phenomenal defense. But the good news is you get both. At least you have the chance to, right? Like, right. I like these DBs. I don't think the Bears need to put anybody back there at DB because I like the guys that they have so long as they sign a defensive lineman or two. But Mm -hmm. I think that they'll get better chances to do it. I'm excited. The fact that Andrew Billings went from we're a reserve guy to, no, that's like a starter starter. Like, across the NFL, I'm going to put you on the spot. 
where do they have Andrew Billings as overall defensive interior players? Because he is a nose tackle. Can't emphasize enough. Nearly anybody that he's going to be competing with on this PFF list is going to be a three-tech. But I bet you on a list of probably, what, 68, 80 guys that he's in the top 30, right? He's 47, actually. Is he seriously? Yeah. I am legitimately surprised. And I wonder if it's because they're docking him for basically taking on two blockers and getting pushed out of the way and somebody else coming in and making the play because they feel like he needs to like stack and get through. Did you do the thing where you adjusted for minimum snap counts? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, he has... He has 359 snaps, um, which there are guys above that have like, like Zach Allen, who was a free agent, has 605. That's a ton. That's a lot of snaps. And I would um, expect Zach Allen to be better than him. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he was way higher earlier in the year, but either way, I'm still super happy with his oh. play. I think that I think the more snaps you can take off of his plate, the better he's going to play too. Right. And I'm more trying to just be the guy who doesn't state my opinion. You have data directly refute that opinion and then immediately like, con myself into still being right anyways like if andrew billings is taking a step back sure but to i see somebody who's such a high or such got such a high work rate like to use a soccer term he throws his weight around he is going to work as hard as he can on every snap honestly i just have fun watching it you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah no he's i mean i had some hope for him because he actually ranked high in pff the year before and we got him so cheap he was one of those guys i was like man if he could just be exactly what he was last year and it's been a huge bonus for us. Linebacker is a position, Robert, that I don't think we even need to talk about. Like the guys that are there are going to be the guys we have we have next year because they're all under contract. We have the depth with Noah Sewell and, and Jack Sanborn can play all over, and you have Dylan Cole and special teams. I mean, do we even add any draft picks or free agents there? I don't know. I guess it'll depend on how the board falls, right? I don't think they felt like they had to add Noah Sewell, but Noah Sewell showed up for them, and they said, yeah. well, that is best player available. Ryan Poles has seemed to show that he understands how he's going to try to work the draft so that he and his team can gain an advantage. And so I, I'm with you. Like your greater point of, do we really need to add anybody? Because I'm happy where we are. I am also happy where we are. Now, mm-hmm. if a new coach comes in and switches the Bears to a 3-4, the linebacking needs may change a little bit. but the the guys that they have fit a 4-3 well many of them have experience in a 3-4 i guess maybe not many it might just be tj but yeah i I don't i don't know Edmonds doesn't i mean he he would be i think terrible in a 3-4 i would be shocked if sanborn couldn't make the slide over and i think that if as uh i think if you finally played to uh what was it, Tremaine Edmonds, as like a weak side pursuit backer in a 3-4, he might do better than we would think, but it's just all about how many blocks yeah, yeah. you keep off of him. Like, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, I treat him like he's 5'7", so that, like, you need to treat him like Ivan Pace almost, so that you can get all the value of him being a massive, monster, ultra-fast athlete that's good in coverage. Well, and I don't I don't want this to be disrespectful, and Bears fans will will understand go there maybe some of this he's 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 a poor version of brian erlacher very athletic guy doesn't do well getting off of blocks i mean erlacher thrived when you had the ted washington and keith trailers in front of him occupying at least three interior alignment and then he could just roam and go wherever he wanted to go um same thing with i mean when you had tommy harris i mean he was more obviously knifing in but when you can keep guys off of erlacher and let him just be a freak athlete he was so much better uh, and that's, I think, a lot more Tremaine Edmonds versus 
taking out a block, shedding, going to the ball carrier. Yes. I mean, I think the funniest part is like, what's the difference between a Hall of Famer and a pretty good player? It's that when Erlacher could take on blocks a little, whereas Tremaine Edmonds looks like he doesn't even want to. I mean, yeah. he has no desire to fight through some of these blocks and will allow himself to get blocked. It means that you can't even pretend to use Erlacher uh, or to use Edmonds as a point of attack linebacker because you're just going to end up having problems. And mm-hmm. the Bears have had problems, but yeah, he's signed for too much money to worry about now. Like yep. it, yeah, in there. the course of this exercise, you're now replacing him. He's nope. truly too expensive to do that. And so yep. the two guys in Edwards and Sanborn that are providing you tons of value per dollar, uh, they're going to carry a lot of the load here, but we like them. I like them. Yeah. What do you think? Well, we, you were saying Braxton Jones could be one of the best values in the NFL in terms of contracts. I think TJ Edwards is up there. So Braxton is a rookie contract in the third, day three, playing one of the most valuable positions Love in tackle. football yeah. at a high level. Whereas TJ is a great value contract, but he's already signed for six and a half million dollars. And I would argue that's about what he's worth, but that's because I think linebacking contracts have gotten so inflated that I would tell you right. that I think Maine was worth $9 million a year, like from Jump Street, but that's just not what we pay first round picks. So right. there's sort of some give and take there, right? Yep. And, and and youth and, you know, size, you know, all that kind of stuff. So so DBs would be our last unit. I mean, I don't really have a big wanting to talk about special teams. So Thank corners you. under contract, Tyreek Stevenson, Terrell Smith, Kyler Gordon, Jalen Jones, and then safeties, Jaquan Brisker, Elijah Hicks, and Eddie Jackson. Now, are you cutting Eddie Jackson, Robert? Well, yes, which breaks my heart, but it's it's time. It's kind of like the white hair thing, but it's not as dire. If they kept him, I wouldn't be shocked, but he's making too much money, and you've got to clean out. Why wouldn't you? Especially if you're turning things over. But yep. talking about corners, I really like their corners. The only thing I don't like is that I feel like a lot of fans have a misunderstanding of what Terrell Smith is, but he's a good zone defender that can keep everything in front of him, come up and rally tackle. And for lack of a better word, he knows what he is and he knows what he isn't. And I'm really excited to see him grow. I think Jalen Jones, you got to give some, like some credit to this defensive staff. Jalen Jones went from, well, he looks like a UDFA to actually every time 31's on the field, he looks very competent. Very, very competent. And he's he's a really good special teamer, y'all. Like mm-hmm. he is he is a plus special teams unit right? performer. And so there's a lot of things where I look at this DB room and I think to myself, especially at corner, I'm excited to see what they are going forward. Right now, Kyler Gordon is a player that I think is fun, but if his contract ended this year, I don't know that I'm clamoring to extend yeah. him just yet. There's a couple more plays I think you need, but the good news is is that his contract doesn't even Close. It's not even close to ending this year. Two more years of control. So quick question. Yes or no. I already answered it. Do you, do you pay slash tag Jalen Johnson to be certain he's on the roster for 2024? Yes. Same. So here, here, here's, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty simple. So, and we already touched on it earlier. Here's the, here's the other question for you. Kind of talking about the one we had earlier. So if you had the choice between upgrading left tackle from Braxton Jones to I don't know, Joe Alt, which I think is not fair in this comparison, but we'll still do it, versus upgrading corner from Tyreek Stevenson to the best corner in this draft. Insert whoever you want, because there's a couple of them that I like. Which one do you think is a better upgrade? 
I think the better upgrade would be at corner, but I think both of them might be semi-gluttonous uses. I mean, I'll never complain about adding another DB, ever, Mm. right? I I don't think you can ever have too many good DBs. But I also think that Braxton Jones, to me, like, okay, so if you tried to draft a second-round player to replace Braxton Jones, you have statistically nearly no shot at doing it. Uh, You would need a first-round player to replace Braxton Jones. And if you had a first round corner and they didn't beat out Tyreek Stevenson, you would have problems. I like Tyreek, but your first round corner given two years should be much better. Like you're hoping for that Trey McDuffie kind of ascension where Mm -hmm. then at that point you'd have Jalen Johnson and this new kid, probably what Kool-Aid McKinstry or something like that. That, yeah, or, or Cooper Cooper DeJean, I think, the, the guy from Iowa. Right. You could end up with some players that would be really, really good, but I can't help but see both of those. It, the funny part about wide receiver in the first round is that people just like me clamor for a wide receiver in the first round nearly every year. I wanted JSN last year. Uh, not that seriously, but I just liked his tape a lot, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But this year, I can't help but feel like the stars align. You're not going to draft a safety in the top 10 and there isn't a safety to draft up there. The you're not going to draft a center that high. A lot of the bears core positions crazily enough, like they're filled out. You know what I mean? Like do do the bears have tackles? The bears have tackles. Do the bears have a running back that they are running backs that they like? They have running backs that they like. How do they on guard? They're okay at guard, but we're not, we don't need to draft either of these guys to be a guard. Okay. Well, Mm. what about defensive linemen? Well, there's really a great defensive lineman that the Bears absolutely have to have. Here's an here's a weird way to phrase this, Nick. Would we be having different conversations about what to do with number one, number two, number three, et cetera, if there was a Miles Garrett in this draft? Oh, yes. I think we would too, but there isn't yeah. one. Like no. best case scenario, you're looking at a Brian Burns. And that's yeah. best case scenario. Because yeah. well, plenty because, of these Yeah. Because right now, who's your top D end? I, I don't have a ranking. But I've seen a lot out of Dallas Turner, if that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, I, I have I have Latu is my top, but he's like he's not ideal length and not ideal athlete, but just a good pass rusher and not ideal and, length, not ideal athlete, was literally medically retired. And yep, it's like yep. that to me is it, it's one of those where like I take a extremely high film grade and it's like discount, discount, discount. Ah man, Dallas is above him. And if anything, you could argue that Latu not being DE number one is what makes this DE class such a bummer because even the guy you like the most has major red flags. Like not, we're not being coy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, like that's the thing is, is if you want to spend a premium pick on a player, you want them to be a premium player. And these guys are just, they're not, they're like mid, mid, mid first is kind of how I feel about them right now. But these wide receivers are premium type talent. They are really and good. So, like you're saying, like running back, center, I mean, interior O line, linebacker, safety, those are positions that are typically like they're day, late day two, day three, veteran free agents that are cheap guys that you can insert in all the time. You pay premiums at tackle, receiver, quarterback, corner, pass rusher. That's what you focus on. And so the Bears, I mean, like we talked about, they're, they're close, but. That takes me to safety here, Robert. Mm-hmm. So if you do get rid of Eddie Jackson, yep, we've talked about Jaquan Brisker has some things he needs to improve on. One thing I would like us to do is sign 
a safety and free agency. And there are some decent ones out there, like a guy I wanted us to draft a while ago, Antoine Winfield, is a free agent if he reaches it. What do you think about him? Oh, I mean, I think he's awesome. I thought you were going to say more on the if he reaches part. Because oh, no. yeah, to me, I mean, he's been one of those heart and soul players for Tampa Bay. And that's right there with uh, Jacksonville letting Jonathan Allen go. I would love it. I think that Jonathan Allen would need to punch the GM in the face. And even then, or even oh. then, did I say Jonathan Allen? I meant J- Josh, Allen. Josh jo- Allen. Jonathan Allen's with Washington. Josh right. Allen's with I meant Josh Allen. I think that uh, Antoine Winfield might need to call Todd Bowles like more than one name. And even <laughs> then he might blow it off just because- so- how, yeah. v- veteran safety or rookie safety, I guess. How about that? Is that better? Either. Honestly, like I love safety. I think the position is awesome. I think the funniest part about the position is that it's remarkably difficult to attack. Like when you can victimize a safety, you will. But with a bad corner, you can go at him on every single play. <clears throat> you'll you'll send somebody wide. You'll get him to line up on your guy and anything from a five yard in crossing drag route to something deep, you know, you got your matchup on that guy. Safeties rotate so often. It is just hard to be certain that you can match your guy up against Jaquan Brisker. You don't know that you will. And it's part of what helps so many teams hide rookie safeties. And then God forbid they make one play because obviously the safety's biggest play is the interception more often than not. And suddenly they turned you over. So if the bears love a rookie safety, I vibe with that, but I would bet you just like you're talking about Nick, they won't put themselves in position to go into the, or to go into 2024 with Elijah Hicks as their no, safety one no, so no. or their safety two so they're gonna sign a veteran i don't know who it's gonna be like i've seen a lot of people mention the name geno stone i don't know what team he plays for which baltimore that, like that might be embarrassing to admit yeah but. baltimore yeah i mean i think there's a few veterans i think that yeah you can't go in next year with that as your only answer i mean I, this might be an answer where you sign a veteran and you draft a kid like i think that bringing Would in love that two to three safeties wouldn't be a bad idea and you, whoever wins the job, wins the job. Oh, 100%. I mean, we saw it this year. Safeties don't stay healthy. If Ryan Poles looks at Jaquan Brisker going down at some point in, in nearly, in more games than he's not. Like, right. Jaquan right. Brisker has definitely not played more games front to back than he has gone down for injury at some point. You need at least a third guy. I would Mm -hmm. honestly look, Nick, at drafting a guy this year and then draft another guy next year so that you've got potentially 40 but safety. But you heard me say it. I'll say it again. You can never have too many good DBs. And safety is a position where I'd love to see the Bears invest a couple more. They don't have to be deep, deep, or they don't have to be like hefty picks. But somewhere between the fourth and the sixth round, I don't see a lot of seventh round safeties really pop. Seventh rounders are kind of priority free agents anyways. But a fourth rounder or fifth rounder, to me, that is a hot spot for a heady safety that's a little under athletic. And if things really work out for you, you found your next Eddie Jackson. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I and that's I mean, Eddie Jackson's ideal, but I mean, we went through so many Cameron Warrells, Todd Johnsons, um Major Wrights, Major Chris I mean, Conti's so many fourth round pick guys that just didn't get it done. That it's like, man, it wouldn't be nice if we just signed a veteran. You're like, okay, that's your safety for a while, and then you can work on 
getting the other one? Because right now I'm not confident with either one. So if you go into next year with two kind of question marks at safety, I'm I'm more concerned. But if you fix the D line, I'm way more okay with it. That's the thing. When I talked about spending so much at defensive line, it's partially because if you gave me the option between Robert's ideal, like I don't know, defensive back unit or something. I would, but but I had to stick with the line you mentioned, which is left to right. Demarcus Walker with nobody behind him, right? Um, Gervon Dexter, then Andrew Billings with Pickens behind him, and Montez Sweat plus whatever fill-ins you wanted. Uh, please, please give me the beefed-out defensive line. It yes. still won't be beefy. There are going to be teams that have been doing... There are teams like the Eagles that have been investing in their defensive line for so long that you will be playing catch up for at least two more years and you'll need them to decay a little bit before you'll ever catch them. But you can get this unit into a shape where it might compete for a spot in the top 10. And if you do that, your DBs are going to get a lot better. And Mm -hmm. the DBs that you have, the young ones, they'll work. I don't need the world's most expensive veteran safety. But like you're talking about, it needs to be better than Dane Kirkshank. Just somebody... (laughs) relatively and and that's not even a shot at dane it's more saying somebody that can hold down the starting spot and i don't have to worry about whether they are just awful like clear that bar low bar but clear that bar and get a sweet defensive line and let's see what can happen with a system that can generate pressure with four or five so so i just i just pulled it up right just free agents here that are safeties just to just to see if we have anything that we're interested in here so buddha baker would be the top one um, I mean, I mean, CJ Gardner Johnson, free agent again. Um, Jordan Whitehead, the Jets, he's not a bad uh option there. J. Ron Curse down there, you're in Texas there, Robert. He's, he's a solid. Free agent. He's solid. Yep, he's solid. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones here that I like. I mean, what's <laughs> funny? What's funny about safety is it is truly a you. You just got to watch the tape position. Yeah, I mean. We Kyle could, Duggar, Antoine Winfield, Geno Stone, Taylor Rapp. Good options. Solid Jeremy, options. Jer- Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin. But so at this point, how how do you feel about the roster overall as we close the show, uh, show up? I mean, it's honestly like with how they're starting to play in the second half of this season and getting Montez Sweat, there's a lot more hope here for Chicago's roster in that it's not super far away. I know we have to figure out the quarterback position. I know we need to add a safety, another D, D end, a center. You know, there, there are things we have to fill in here. But um, those are easy things to add in for some of those spots. And so saying that Chicago can't be a playoff team in 2024, I don't think is accurate. I think they definitely could be. Oh, easily. Have you seen the NFC? It's wide <laughs> open. They'd be in the hunt right now. They're, I know, I know they were already in the graph. But they would be like in the thick of the hunt had they closed out two games that I still think 25 coaches minimum in the NFL close out. I mean, I'm not trying to be Matt Eberflus's number one hater. I worry I'm bordering on that territory anyways, Nick. But the like the Bears coaching situation has just had enough of these flub moments that they've kept out a team that already should be more competitive than, mm-hmm. than the results have yes. borne out. That's what's frustrating, let alone you give the Bears the opportunity to turn a former weakness in D-line into a tepid strength. You turn a couple of these intangible Z positions, because that's the other thing. You talk about center. You talk about safety. These are some of the most commonly like 
cheaply acquired positions in oh, yeah. ball. Like yep. then you've or, got, or, or you find a state or you find one on day three and they're good. That's what I'm saying. Like yep. it's, you don't need mega superstar free agents at most of these positions. And even if you sign Connor Williams to a mega superstar deal, I doubt you will. Like it's not going to push Ryan Jensen's deal because the last time somebody paid a center, like a mega superstar, it went so badly that yep. it is that there's no way that won't reverberate across the modern NFL. So, mm-hmm. I can't help but think, Nick, this Bears foundation feels pretty strong. Now, if there's one thing that I will tell you I don't know how to balance, it's the fact that I also can't help but think that the Bears' best path forward involves changing coaches. The Bears changing coaches involves losing games. Losing games involves somebody playing badly, and I don't want anybody to play badly. Like, I'm a Bears fan. I don't know. There's not really a great set of units on the roster that I'm like, oh, yeah, they'll lose it for us. There's one that comes to mind, but it's only going to make things more toxic. And I don't really want to uh, see that don't happen. Even, don't even. How, how many? OK, how many games are we winning? There's five left. It's Detroit at home at Cleveland, home against Arizona and Atlanta and at Green Bay. How many of those five games is Chicago going to win? If I said that they they should. OK, so let's let's change. Can I can I pick two different words? Like we'll go with should win, yep. will win, right? Yep. They should win two and a half games. Like they should, I think, be competitive in all five of them with mm-hmm. probably getting over the top of minimum two, likely three. They could win as many as four. Will win? I bet it's going to be two or one, right? Yep. I, I don't think they will win zero. There would be a an, an interior part of me that will cackle out of just comic hate for this organ or for parts of this organization. If that's actually what happens, because it would be, I mean, that would just send me to a dark place. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it wouldn't because then the other pick would be really high. But I mean, when you just, look at, think about it, think about it, Nick, from I, I'm being, I'm trying to be funny, but this is what I think. I'm more talking about the nerve for, of Matt Eberflus to like, Oh. be this bad for two years like there'd be this part of me that would be like no 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 wear it wear yeah. it like I, I would go into week 18 thinking dark thoughts about what i wanted the packers to do the bears if they actually go oh and four over the next four just because i'd be like maddie with i want you to go out on the loudest bang against <laughs> you possible like you get what i'm saying well you don't want him to lovey smith us i mean I, that would be the toughest part, I, I don't know how they do it. And this is as a coach. How, how do you, when you continually lose games, go out there in front of all of the press and be like, yeah, we're together as a team. And, you know, like, you know, the, the coach talk that they have to speak. Like, I don't know how they do that, man. So to answer your question, I think that we are on the exact same page. I think that the line is two and a half. I think that they will win one or two. I think they could win four. Uh, he's, we, we said the same exact thing. Didn't we? And this is obviously assumes that a certain somebody doesn't get hurt. Cause I do yeah. think if Tyson Bajant comes in that I don't know how he'd do against Atlanta, but I think he'd be a net negative against Detroit. I think he'd be a net negative against the Browns who should be Joe able to. Flacco. Okay. One funny piece about the Browns, right? Did, am I crazy? Or it's like the Browns QB play has been so bad that Joe Flacco coming in and looking like a competent game manager pretty much put them back at the level of their starting quarterbacking. 
Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, Jacoby Brissett last year was better than anything Deshaun Watson's been for the last year and a half. So right. they've had such negative QB play. Yeah, Joe Flacco looks like he's back in Super Bowl form today. It was like, come on, Joe, where'd this come from? <laughs> like a couple mm-hmm. of the throws he made were, dare I say it, seeds. And I was like, okay, 38-year-old Joe Flacco. He's yeah, got yeah. Jews. Who knew? Um, yeah, that, that, that one on the sideline to Elijah Moore, I was like, ooh. <laughs> right? Yeah, that was nice. So w- one thing before we wrap up here, mm-hmm. people remember Q&A for our next episode. Yes. Ask a bunch of questions because if you don't ask a bunch of questions, it's going to be me and Robert guessing what questions you want answered. Yep. And we're fine with that. But also, we would rather answer your literal questions. Mm-hmm. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Keep it. Uh, we'll be right back with you on Thursday. I'm going to be out this weekend, Nick. So we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do about post game because I'll be coming back from a skiing trip uh, that I remembered this week. So I was like, oh, yeah, I am doing that. So sorry All for right. telling you live on the air. Yeah, but now I know. We'll, we'll figure out what we do about post game and what happens with this Lions game. I'll tell you right now, uh, one week away from playing it, I don't know how to feel about this Lions game because their we're offense clicked gonna, today. Watch this. We're we're gonna have a, an amazing game. We would we'd have a live post game, but we can't have it because Robert's not here. There you go. That that's what's gonna happen. What does amazing even mean anymore? Like we want so many different things from this team. <laughs> yep, I know. I know. But so that's yeah. fine. Go ahead. We'll figure it out, man. We'll figure it out. But so until then, folks. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Bear down. Thanks again for bearing with us. 